Then he goes on. And now he switches into a whole bunch of things. Verse 7. Remember your leaders who spoke God's message to you. Reflect reflect on the outcome of their lives and imitate their faith. Notice he says imitate their faith. Your leaders have been set up over your life. They've been set up over your life because there's something about them that God has called them. And God has called them to a life of leadership. And which means they're going to stand out. Now unfortunately that means they're their faults are going to stand out more than other people's. But there are also people who are going to stand out in their faith. And they've lived lives. And you're to look at their faith and what God has done in their lives. Not how amazing they are or how many faults they have, but the faith that they've demonstrated that God has responded by doing amazing things in their life. And they're more noticeable because they're standing in front of you all the time. And if they are failing, and if they do have faults, then you address those faults through Matthew 18, one-on-one, then a believer, then the congregation, and you let God deal with those faults and judgment. But overall, the leaders are set up because God called them to lead you and be an example. Here's a public demonstration, as scary as it is, as a leader of what God is doing in your life and how God can do amazing things when you have faith. So remember them. If you don't like your leader, pray for them. It's hard to be bitter towards somebody when you're constantly praying for them. Because they're an other example, just like the cloud of witnesses. Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried away by all sort of strange teachings. The encouragement is Christ is always the same. The same crisis in you is the same crisis in them, the same Christ in the followers. And the Christ that we fell in love with in the First Testament, even though we didn't know His name, but we saw Him through God in the tabernacle, is the same Christ today that we follow. And so we're all serving the same Christ. And that's the encouragement. No matter what leader you look at, the ones in the First Testament, the ones in your life, the ones in the future, they're all serving the same Christ. He will be with you forever. Do not be carried away by all sorts of strange teachings. Teachings that he's probably talking about more specifically is the Jewish teachings. And the strange ones are where we're now trying to make the rituals our salvation. Now he could also be talking about the paganism of the culture, which are really strange things. But he could also be talking about trying to make rituals and food sacrifices all about salvation. For it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not ritual meals, which have never benefited those who participate in them. It's good to be strengthened by grace, not rituals, not works. For we have an altar that those who serve in the tabernacle have no right to eat from. For the bodies of those who animals, the blood of the high priest, brings into the sanctuary as an offering for the sin, are burned outside the camp. Therefore, to sanctify the people by his own blood, Jesus also suffered outside the camp. So he's talking about Leviticus 19, sorry, 16, where they sacrificed the animal, the blood would be put into the tabernacle, and the carcass that represented sin would be thrown outside the camp. Right? Saying that we need to be more connected to the blood than the dead things of the world. For Christ suffered. He took sin outside the camp. He went outside of Jerusalem and died. So don't bring sin back into the camp. Because we have a better altar. We have an altar that actually removes sin. So don't go bringing it back inside. 
Don't bring the carcass back in, the dead man, the old self. Verse 12, therefore, we must go out and find him. Now here's what's interesting. God has a couple of times said, we must go to, we must enter into heaven. We must enter into the sanctuary. We must enter into Christ. But now he's saying we must go out of the camp. But nothing changes. It's still going to Christ. We are called to go into heaven. We're called to go outside the camp. But all that matters is we're called to go to Christ. And so here's the idea. The camp is the sinful Jerusalem. Leave Jerusalem. And all of its rituals, all of its practices, all of its works oriented. And go to Christ outside the camp. But also enter into the new heavenly sanctuary where Christ is. It doesn't matter whether you're going through, in, out, up, above, below. as You go wherever Christ is. Bearing the abuse, knowing that we will be abused for it. Now, we're not used to that. In the ancient world, if you abandoned Judaism and left Jerusalem to go to Christianity, your family would say, you're dead to us. And we want nothing to do with you. The example of that is Hinduism and Mormonism. Sorry, not Mormon, Islam. Do you love Jesus enough to lose your family? doesn't mean that you don't love your family. It doesn't mean that you don't want your family there. But it's a greater than. Do you love your family so much that you're willing for all of you to go to hell? Or do you love Jesus more? And maybe that will then be an example to them. What are you willing to lose? For we hear, we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come through Him. Then let us continually offer up sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, acknowledging His name, and do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for God is pleased with such sacrifices. We do not have a city here. We have a city up there. Augustine called, probably this is where you get the idea, the city of God. And when the Roman Empire was collapsing and everybody was like, oh my gosh, what will happen to us? Our checking accounts, our banking accounts, our security years, our home, our market values, our land, our farming, all this stuff is tied up in Rome and Rome is falling. And if Rome is falling, then our financial security, our pleasure, our comfort is all going. And Augustine said, we live in a city of God not in a city on earth. And our security is not found in the market. Our security is found in heaven. And our security is not found in being accepted and loved by people here. Our security is being pleased in the eyes of Jesus Christ. We need to constantly remind ourselves, as long as it feels, this is temporary. The earth is not temporary. Creation is not temporary. The things of this world are temporary. And then he says this. Here's your sacrifice. Okay, what's my sacrifice? Now that Christ is better. Your sacrifice is this. The praise on your lips and the good deeds that you do for others. The Jews had six sacrifices they had to do all the time. And Christ wrapped them all up inside of himself in one sacrifice and brought it into them all. But then he's now giving you two sacrifices. Praise him with what you say and do. 
Everything that you say should be praising to Him. Everything you should say should be bringing praise to other people's lives about God. And then all your works and all your deeds should be about other people. The Gospel of Luke focuses on two primary things all throughout. How Christ sacrificed Himself to redeem the world in word and deed. And then how does the world respond? How do you praise God? And how do you worship Him in word and deed? This is what you're called to. These are your two sacrifices now. Now, it shouldn't be surprising because Romans 8 says, sorry, 12, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing God, for this is your spiritual act of worship. You're a living sacrifice now. You don't have to do dead sacrifices anymore. Christ is your sacrifice. But now you present your words and your deeds. So that everything you say and everything you do tells the truth about who Christ is. Praise Him. This is the fruit of your lips. That's the fruit. Obey your leaders. Submit to them. For they keep watch over your souls and will give an account for their work. Let them do this with joy and do not, not with complaints, for this would be an advantage to you. Don't make your leaders' lives miserable. Because not only that will benefit you, because they won't want to stay away from you and be tempted to make your life miserable in return. And two, because you're doing what's pleasing to God and He always rewards when you do things out of love. Pray for us that we are sure that we have a clear conscience and a desire to conduct ourselves rightly in every respect. This is the two things he has to be prayed for, is that they would be able to do things that would be pleasing to God so they don't feel guilty about it, and to conduct themselves rightly before everybody. Love God and love others. I especially ask you then pray that I restore to you very soon. Then here's the benediction. Now, this paragraph perfectly sums up all of Hebrews. Imagine that. Now may the God of peace, who by the blood of the eternal covenant, not the temporary covenant, not the useless and weak covenant, brought back from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep, our Lord Jesus Christ, not an animal that stayed dead, but a sacrifice that came back to life. May this God, the God who made a covenant with you, thousands and thousands of years ago, and is say true to the covenant, to his ultimate fulfillment, with a better, perfect, eternal blood. Now may he equip you with every good things to do his will, working in us what is pleasing before him through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever. Notice that the first Nine, ten chapters. Jesus is a better sacrifice that brings a better covenant. The next couple of chapters, who equips you with better things, faith and endurance that come from Christ, that He's working in us, not by our works that we have faith and endure, but by His sacrifice that we have faith and endure, so that we may be pleasing to Him with the fruits of our lips. That's the whole point. Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, bear with my message of exhortation, for in fact I have written to you briefly. I love that one. 
if you feel like this has been on the long unpacking, we could have spent even longer in this. And you feel like this is really heavy. He's like, oh, this is a brief letter. There's so many more things I could say about Christ better than. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released. If he comes soon, he will be with me to see you. Greetings to all of your leaders and all the saints. Those from Italy send you greetings. Grace be with you all. I don't care if you're the one who has realized that Christ is a better sacrifice and I am convinced of better things of you. And I don't care if you're the one that's about ready to shake your fist at God and say, forget you. Greetings to all of you. And grace be with you all. That's his ultimate desire. Why take the effort to put three, six warnings in this Bible if you didn't care about them? Remember, they're scary, scary, scary warnings. But we say them because we love you. And Christ is awesome, awesome, awesome. And I tell you this because I love you and I want you to know them. That's his heart desire. May grace and peace be with all of you. That's the ultimate goal. And final summary. We started with the seven things that Christ is. That it starts with him on the throne of God, creator of the universe, sustaining it, coming down and making his home for sins, going back up and sitting on the right hand of God. Because he is the exact representation and the glory of God. That's the focal point. That's the start. That's who Christ is. He then unpacks for you that if we truly understand who this seven-pointed Jesus is as the Son of God, because he spoke, God has spoken in many ways, but today he speaks through his Son, then you must understand that he is superior to those angels that get revered and worshipped so much in our culture because they are not the Son of God and they are never allowed to be worshipped and they are created. Therefore, Christ is also superior to Moses no matter how amazing of a man of God that he had a greater relationship with God than anybody else in the First Testament ever has and has had greater access to God than anybody else ever has, he is still just a servant in the house that God created, who is Jesus Christ. But Christ was faithful over the house and is the builder of the house. Therefore, no matter how much intimacy Moses had, Jesus has greater intimacy because he is God. Therefore, he provides a better covenant. But at the same time, be warned that the punishment for violating the covenant under angels and Moses with severe physical death, then how much more will it be for the Son of God when you violate His covenant? And then he goes on and says that Christ brings a better rest than Joshua because we have a compassionate and merciful high priest that brings us into a better rest than the heavenly sanctuary rather than just a physical land. Because his rest is in heaven with God, where Joshua provided a physical rest in the land of Israel. But at the same time, Christ is a better priesthood. Because those priests just kept dying and dying and dying, and they were sinners themselves. But Christ is perfect, and he is God, and he lives forever to intercede on our behalf, 
Why would you want to go to any other mediator, any other father, any other priest, any other savior who just keeps dying and dying and dying and they're flawed in themselves? At the same time, Christ is a better sacrifice because with all those other sacrifices were just over and over and over and over again and they temporarily cover the sins. But Christ offered himself with his own blood that is perfect and eternal and lasts forever. Why would you look to any other thing like money or sex or anything else, attention, gossip, to be the thing in your life when Christ is a better sacrifice? Therefore, the ultimate conclusion is that Christ brings a better covenant because of the angels and Moses and the priests mediate the covenant and the sacrifice makes the covenant happen. And Christ is better than all those things. And Christ's covenant is better, which gives you a greater access to a greater heavenly sanctuary than just a tent, tabernacle, and fire on earth. So why would you look to any other club, group, church, relationship, happy hour, family, hobby, for your covenant relationship of intimacy than the one that Christ has provided. Therefore, in light of that, if He is the superior thing to all other things, then you place your faith in Him because only He is worthy of your faith. And if God was able to do amazing things in the First Testament for those who place their faith in a limited access God and a limited revelation, then how much more can God do in our life with a greater access to God, with a greater sacrifice and a greater covenant and a greater intimacy of Jesus Christ? So therefore, rest in Him, fall in love with Him, Pursue Him. Spend time with Him. And He will give you the ability to have faith and to endure in the midst of trials, to endure when you don't understand what's going on, because it's Christ in you as the better sacrifice, not your own works, not your own need to do better, to be significant, love, or feel safe. Then be that light in the world to others who are in danger of missing out on this better covenant so that there will be peace and love between you and everybody else. Let's close in prayer. Now may the God of peace, who by the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead of the great shepherd of the sheep, our Lord Jesus Christ, equip you with every good thing to do His will, working in us what is pleasing before Him through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory forever. We thank You, Jesus, for being better. Give us the ability and desire to know that, to believe it in mind and emotions, so that we can fall in love with You, rest in You, find our contentment in You, and seek no other things, and find encouragement that when we fail in our temptations, that we have a merciful and compassionate high priest who's ready to forgive us. And without shame, we can boldly and confidently go through to you. But at the same time, we have a great king who can conquer the sin and the evil in the world and in us, 
and usher us into the presence of God. I pray that this would be our fuel, our motivation, our desire to press forward and endure in the faith, to be holy and pleasing to God. In Jesus' name, amen.